You're listening to the Disney One by One podcast, a chronological look at every Disney animated classic and beyond. Here's your host, Mike Rolfing. Hello and welcome to Disney One by One. This week we're talking about the Black Cauldron from 1985. We're almost to my birth year. Oh. <laughs> this, this is the 25th movie on the list. But real quick, as always, remember check us out everywhere on the internet at Disney1x1. And if you could leave us a rating and review on iTunes, it will be much appreciated. And we will read them here on the show. So write us a review. With me as always today is my brother David Rolfing. David, welcome to Disney One by One. Hey, Mike, thank you for having me back once again. I was not expecting to be scared and see face-melting zombies this week (laughs) in a a classic old Disney movie, but I was surprised. And David, we've made it to episode 25. We're we're a quarter century through uh, Disney one by one here. But over a quarter through the list, right? Yeah, I think halfway is um, Little Mermaid, and we're getting there. We're real close to that. We're only a few away. So Little Mermaid is half. Yeah, believe it or not. Oh so, wow! Wow. So, and uh, speaking there, butting in, <laughs> hey, is returning, 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 returning guest Chris Lair. <laughs> Chris, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, Mike. It's just a joy. <laughs> so if 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 you're keeping tally at home, Chris was on, uh, what did you start with? You were on Pinocchio. You were our first guest. Yeah, it was Pinocchio. And then, and then Saludos Amigos. Mm-hmm. And then and after that was... Alice in Wonderland. Yes. I, well, I should say, and from the beginning, you had expressed a strong interest in the Black Cauldron. <laughs> and so that's Absolutely. what we're talking about today. And uh, your wish has come true. We'll see, you we'll reserved see. your spot months in advance. I can't even <laughs> believe it's finally here. <laughs> I had my sights set on this film. Because you had never seen it before, correct? No, never seen it. And I I kept it pure. You know, I didn't look up anything about it. I yep. wanted to go in completely blind. No, I thought you wanted to do it because it was like one of your childhood favorites. Uh, no, sir. Ooh. <laughs> that makes it more interesting. Morbid curiosity drew me here. <laughs> so if you guys want to learn more about Mr. Lair, you can listen to those past episodes. How about that? Nice yeah, little, nice little advertisement. So 25, right? Yes. So at this point, nearly halfway through, yes. do you have an updated top 10? Uh, we do, in fact. Thank you for asking. So, oh. so And this is, the, this is the top 10 of the first 25. Yes. So nothing after... Nothing after the Black Cauldron can be on this list. That sounds fair to me. Um, and David and I at episode 10 did the same thing, but obviously there are only 10, and so we just ranked those 10. Oh, okay. So now you can have exclusions. Right. So Chris, anyway, uh, take it away. Lead us, lead us through our lists. So 10 being your least favorite, right? And one being the best? Our least favorite yes. of our top 10. Least yes. favorite of the top 10, the lowest <laughs> ranking. Of okay. the first 25. all righty so number 10 what do we got david go ahead oh okay david my number 10 (laughs) my number 10 of from the first 25 is snow white and the seven dwarfs the original the classic i'm putting in my top 10 right there i'm surprised it's so low on the list it's good but i like others more all right hey that's fair david all right number 10 is dumbo Interesting. Oh, it is interesting. You, in your top 10 of the first 10, you ranked that number one, I believe. 
Yeah, and I've liked every movie since that first group of ten more than <laughs> more than the first ten, if that makes sense. All right. Yikes. That's that's the only movie on my top ten that were in the first ten. Interesting. Oh, wow. wow. Very. All right, let's go on to nine then. Mike, nine. My number nine, Lady and the Tramp. Oh. Pleasantly surprised by that one. I really liked The Tramp, and I thought it was a fun, short, sweet movie. It's a lovely Number film. nine for me, Fox and the Hound. Oh, pulling on the heartstrings. All right. Mike, eight. Number eight, I have The Aristocats. Another one Love that, that was film. a pleasant surprise and some great characters and music. Number eight, Aristocats. Wow. <laughs> what? No way. Look at that. <laughs> you guys synchronized. <laughs> seven, Mike. Number seven. This may be a shocker, but it was my favorite of the packaged music films. Make Mine Music is my number seven. Really? Were, I can't believe you included one of those. There were this. so many fun segments in that movie. How many segments are there again? Uh, eight, maybe seven or eight. Cool. And they were just like the, the opera whale, Dave. Fantastic. Yeah, that was a good <laughs> segment. Uh, How about you, my David? number seven, Lady and the Tramp. Hey, hey. All right, number six, Mr. Mike. My number six, 101 Dalmatians. It was one we grew up with, and I really enjoyed it this time around. All right, David. 101 Dalmatians. No way. <laughs> yeah. What in the world? <laughs> Cahoots. Uh, so what are we on, five? Yeah. All right, five. <laughs> My number five. And I'm looking at this list and I feel like I would change something, but I'm leaving it as it is. My number five, Peter Pan. It was oh. great. Mm. All right. Expected that one to be higher. Uh, my number five is The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. Ooh. Wow. Wonderful. Way up there. It's good. Right. So now number four, Mike. My number four is Bambi. That movie really surprised me. I remembered it as just like a child, like a a kitty animal film with a with a death mixed in there. <laughs> yeah. There was uh, much more to it than that. I still haven't gone back and watched it. How about you, Mr. David? Number four, Jungle Book. Excellent. All right, three, Mike. My number three was David's number 10, Dumbo. Loved it. it oh, was, my gosh. <laughs> it was, again, way better than I thought it was going to be. Really that fun is movie. high on your list. How about you, David? Number three? Number three, which I don't believe is in your top ten, Mike, it's Sleeping Beauty for me. Oh, wow. The animation of that movie, I think, was better than all these first 25 we've seen. Yeah, I I, I really wanted to put that in my list because it is just beautiful <laughs> every frame, but I just didn't think the plot was that great, so I left it out. It's pretty harsh. <laughs> uh, Mike, number two? My number two, and this may come as a huge surprise, my number two is The Three Caballeros. I cannot yes, believe my ears. Finally, are you serious? <laughs> you come to your senses. Who are you, Mike? <laughs> I thought I knew you. Are you serious? How did that not claim your number one spot? You'll what? have to wait and see. <laughs> what dethroned three calves? Uh, I mean, I mean it's, it's still going to remain in my maybe top three of all time, but yes. Wow. What Peter Pan twist. is my number two. And let me guess, Mike, your number one is the same as mine, Robin Hood. Correct. Oh. All right. 
It's so good, Robin. It's so good. Yeah, that makes sense. So good, I, and I and I loved I loved the rewatch of it. It was fantastic. That's worthy. Well, I mean, the music for this show is from Robin Hood. The theme music. It is. So that's very fitting. There you have it. The top ten from the Rolfings. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Chris. Thank you for moderating. And Chris, you have a podcast of your own that you're working on right now, correct? It's 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 out in the public. It's it's available to download. Absolutely. Tell me a little bit about it. Sure. It's called Harm Slayer. So Harm Slayer move together. It's co-hosted by myself and Jordan Harms, hence the name. And Jordan has been on this show too. He was on the Fantasia episode. So two of our two of our Disney one by one guests. Yes. He and Are you I... sure it's not a metal band? <laughs> a harm Slayer? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it could be. It's a great band name. <laughs> Jordan and I have been friends since like elementary school. So really more like middle school. Yeah. But we've been friends a long time. We have a lot of uh, history. And we are also in a video production company called Big Forest. And... We've been wanting to do a podcast for a long time, so it's just a topical show about various different um, subjects, and we just elaborate on that. It's a very conversational show. Like, one of the episodes is on forced creativity. And and what's forced creativity? Like, giving kids coloring books? Essentially, yeah, that's one of the examples we (laughs) give is uh, coloring inside the lines. Like, your crayon must color in this picture. Don't go outside the lines. Like, that's an example of forced creativity. So we're talking about like our um, kind of our experience with it, our thoughts on it. And that's pretty much how every show unfolds. It's like one of our little sayings is come hang out with us. Yeah. So it's supposed to be very conversational and sure make you feel like you're a part of it. And uh, one of your episodes is literally you guys just talking about what you did over Christmas and New Year's. And it's that's right. Pretty, it's pretty entertaining. So, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We were both sick. So, uh, yeah. I, I'm I'm amazed at what memories you have, <laughs> like like how specific those stories you're telling are. It, it makes it pretty entertaining. So, oh, that's that's the Harm Slayer podcast mm-hmm, available, available wherever podcasts are sold that's or downloaded right. for free. Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, you name it, we're there. And whenever you want to do a Disney themed episode, especially parks related, you know who to call. Oh, Mike, you're already on the list like okay. twice. <laughs> Sounds good. And before we move on, we have a couple more iTunes reviews to read for you. It's been a little while. First from Carol Loves Disney. I love this podcast. Great way to review all of my Disney favorites before a trip to the park. Mike and David are so knowledgeable, and I thought I was a Disney geek. Please do Pixar movies when you get through all these. And from Elise Dalby. I look forward to listening to this podcast every week. The hosts are so knowledgeable and fun. Consider doing the Pixar movies when you finish animated feature films. So there is some high demand for Pixar here, and I will always find an excuse to watch Toy Story, so I think we might have to do that. And with that, it's time for The Black Cauldron. And now, our feature presentation. Legend has it, there was once a king so cruel and so evil that the gods feared him. Since no prison could hold him, he was trapped forever in the form of a great black cauldron. All right, Black Cauldron, 1985. I feel like every week I say, all right, here's another doozy (laughs) when it comes (laughs) to the history of these movies, but it's amazing what these things go through to get to uh, where they eventually end up. So, The Black Cauldron, 
is the 25th Disney animated feature film, as we've established with our 25th episode here. It is loosely based on the first two books in The Chronicles of Prydain, which is a book series by Lloyd Alexander. The book series is uh, five novels that are based on uh, Welsh mythology. Not to get too far ahead, but the, the movie was eventually directed by Ted Berman and Richard Rich. Richie Rich, Macaulay Culkin. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Who they both uh, directed The Fox and the Hound as well in 1981. So, rewind. The Disney company optioned these stories, these books by Lloyd Alexander in 1971, and began work on them in 1973 once they uh, gained the full rights. Apparently these books are very complex, and they have lots of characters. So uh, development was complicated, to say the least, <laughs> and continued throughout the 1970s. Mind you, this movie didn't come out till 1985, so we got a ways to go. It was originally set to be released in 1978, but again, proved to be too complicated. So then <laughs> Disney CEO Ron Miller, who we talked about last week, who sort of took over after Walt died, uh, he pushed the movie to a release of 1984. Remember, this comes out in 85. It's still a really long delay. Yeah. It's, no it's, kidding. And its original release date ended up being the release date of Fox and the Hound, which we talked about last week. So after Fox and the Hound was finished, a bunch of guys from that switched over to Black Cauldron to try to salvage it or, I guess, carry on with it. But as always, which seems with these movies, there was a lot of kind of internal fight and debate and people were pushed off the project and moved to other things and a lot of just sort of personnel jumbled around we had talked last week that uh tim burton worked on fox and the hound and he uh, worked on some concept art for this movie as well yep but his all of his work was rejected <laughs> <laughs> except for some of his concepts for the horn king which i guess seems fairly tim burton-esque yeah it's kind of weird it's right bizarre. They even brought Milt Call back, who was one of the nine old men who had retired, brought him out of retirement to help design some of the main characters. So they finally got most of the movie done in 84, and they held a test screening <laughs> at their studio in Burbank in front of a, an audience of people coming to uh, see how the movie was. And apparently uh, the children in the screening began fleeing the theater <laughs> because they were so scared. <laughs> Which, of course, prompted the folks at Disney to freak out a little bit. Yeah. 1984 brought some change to the studio as well. I mentioned Ron Miller. Uh, he brought on Michael Eisner, who became the public face of the company. I'm sure you guys recognize him. Oh, yeah. He came from Paramount to take over the Disney Studio CEO, and he, and he brought Jeffrey Katzenberg as the studio chairman. Jeffrey Katzenberg went on to start DreamWorks with Steven Spielberg. So big names here. Right. DreamWorks SKG is the SKG stands for Spielberg, Katzenberg, and Geffen, I think is the guy, the other guy's name, something like that. Huge name in the animation uh, business, at least eventually. Anyway, Katzenberg was also very responsible for most of this, the, the 90s, uh, the Disney 90s, like, like renaissance of, you know, Little Mermaid, etc. before he, he departed. Katzenberg had been newly appointed as the studio chairman, and he, after this test screening, <laughs> ordered scenes to be cut <laughs> but apparently at least back then that was very difficult to do most of these animated movies are kind of edited in the storyboard process the animatic process and there's not a whole lot you can do after that to really change these in great right. detail so you have to like reanimate crap you know right uh, and it's not as easy as like taking cg models and just re-puppeteering them he insisted on on things being cut he even like 
took to the Avid himself or whatever whatever yeah. software computer they were using at the time and just started chopping stuff himself. <laughs> oh my gosh. Sheesh. But apparently Eisner got wind of this and told him to made him stop. But he still kind of got his way and they eventually cut a good like 12 minutes from the movie. Yeah, fully animated scenes. Yeah. Um, including a lot of the stuff at the end, which we'll get to, of the cauldron and the skeletons and all this stuff was apparently Ugh. much, much, much scarier. And most of it is not really noticeable. Apparently, if you're more familiar with this movie or have seen it more times than we have, you can kind of notice some bad edits and some continuity errors that you wouldn't typically have in animation. So, Because of all this, The Black Cauldron is most notable for be- being the first PG-rated <laughs> Disney film, Disney animated film. Awesome. It was also the first Disney animated feature to have computer-generated imagery, computer-generated elements. That's right. Apparently some bubbles and there was a boat and the floating uh, orbs of light and parts of the cauldron itself were actually computer-generated. And they ended up using CG quite a bit in the next movie, too, with uh, The Great Mouse Detective. There's a big scene inside Big Ben with the Mm -hmm. gears churning, and that was all computer-generated, so... This movie, just like Sleeping Beauty, was released in Super Technorama 70, that very widescreen format. Yes. And it was ultimately released July 24th, 1985. It cost them $44 million to produce (laughs) on their $25 million budget. Oh, no. It was the most expensive animated movie ever made, which I feel like we say every week, but this is the case here. You keep up in it, man. Up in the ante. And it only grossed $21.3 million (laughs) after its $44 million budget. It was a huge flop, and it almost put Disney out of business. There's a great documentary called Waking Sleeping Beauty, which I need to rewatch. I'll probably rewatch before our next episode, and I'll make sure to send to you guys as well. Yeah. About, like, this downfall and then resurgence waking sleeping beauty uh-huh. of, of the 90s of 90s disney they actually booted the animation department from the studio after this movie and they oh moved to some gosh. they moved to some like airplane hangar down the street just like warehouse Banished. because they're like you guys suck <laughs> so <laughs> we're gonna push you out for our live action department or something like that so yikes pretty fascinating fascinating time of disney here uh, especially with this new reign of eisner and katzenberg so right and it didn't even get a home video release until 1998. That's right. Because of uh, how poorly it did. It was beat by the Care Bear movie that came out the same year. Jeez. Which was produced by a much smaller studio, and I'm sure they were the Care Bear folks were real happy about that, beating Disney. And E.T. E.T. came out a month prior. Uh, it's legacy, not, not a whole lot. It had a small presence in the parks. It did? There, well, kind of. There's a restaurant in, I believe, Fantasyland at Magic Kingdom called Friar's Nook. It's like a just a quick service restaurant where they have like cheeseburgers and macaroni and cheese and stuff. Yeah. And at one point it was called Gurgi's Munchies and Crunchies. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Which is reference to the character of Gurgi. So glad we'll they picked about. him. Is Gurgi the sloth thing? The sloth dog thing? Dog sloth thing, yeah. The furry thing? <laughs> the yeah. quick sloth? Yeah. Ugh. And then apparently at Tokyo Disney, in there's like a a, a walkthrough uh, exhibit in the castle where you like see mosaics or I don't know stained glass windows. And oh I, apparently, yeah. Apparently the Horned King is is in there somewhere. So, huh? The Horned King played by John Hurt, 
Oh my goodness. The most recognizable name in this cast. Yes. And the best part of the film. <laughs> and the best part of the film. I liked the guy who narrated the opening. John yeah. John John Houston was that guy's name. Was Gergi voiced by uh Andy Circus? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's what I was trying to say. You stole my joke. <laughs> Gergi was voiced by John Biner. <laughs> oh wow. So recognizable. In the great tradition of Disney animated classics, now comes the newest Disney spectacle of them all, The Black Cauldron. So I think I know the answer to this, but I'll just do it as a formality. Chris, what is your background with The Black Cauldron before Uh, we dive into reviews? Nothing? (laughs) Well, actually, I'll tell you this. I was always perplexed because I had a VHS. I don't even remember the movie, but it was one that I watched often and this was one of the previews before it because it kept saying now available on DVD or not DVD now available on VHS. And I was like, what is this movie? So it kind of fascinated me for years. Like I had seen that one preview so many times, but I'd never seen the movie and it just disappeared into obscurity for me. And then it became like this goal. I was like, I got to see this movie, this movie and um, the Dark Crystal because they both kind of feel similar to me. They're both in that same like 1980s fantasy era. So I was like, I really got to see these movies. The Dark Crystal was a, a Muppet thing, right? Or yeah, the, Jim, Henson. Jim Henson. Jim Henson, Frank Oz. Yep, uh, one of his passion projects. David, Black Cauldron, had you seen it? No, and I had zero expectations. You also, you upload the movie like video files. And so I don't like see a cover or anything for these movies <laughs> that I haven't seen. So I had zero <laughs> knowledge of the movie. Um, I did have one quick fun fact that I wanted to mention. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, Disney had been planning to release a special holographic sequence in some theaters that would bring the Deathless Swordsman like into the theater when they were when they rose from the, oh, the dead. <laughs> and but they <laughs> it was too expensive to get like these holographic projectors in enough theaters, so they scratched the idea. But they wanted to have like the dead projected into the theater which they were concerned Horrifying. about it being too, too scary for little kids that would be terrible well, were they not <laughs> enough in the red they were entertaining more ideas <laughs> by the way i do also have a couple of facts about this movie go for it so uh you mentioned this is a lot of firsts this film did a lot of firsts but it is also the first disney animated movie to not contain any songs yeah either either performed by characters or in the background none which is another reason why people <laughs> didn't like didn't it. Didn't like it. <laughs> this does not feel like a Disney movie. Not at all. And it's also the first uh, Disney movie to feature the classic Walt Disney Pictures logo with the blue background and everything. Mm. And it was the one that's what they used until Pirates of the Caribbean Dead Man's Chest in 2006. And lastly, it is the first Disney movie to not have the end in quotes at the end of the of the film instead it just went straight into the final scene and closing credits and i also believe this is the first one without any opening titles oh is like, it a cold open just go straight like in opening credits yeah i'm pretty sure this, maybe fantasia doesn't but besides mm. that i think every single other one has had an opening credits where they list the cast and the crew uh-huh and this one had a full closing credits it did like, like with everyone listed and that may be the first time of that as well it's like five minutes of credits. Yes. 
Typically, they just kind of pick the, their favorite people and list them. Yeah. <laughs> There's tons of people not listed in the credits, especially the ones that just have opening credits. Right. Another, uh, your music trivia reminded me of, of, of another really interesting thing. This, this movie was scored by Elmer Bernstein. Yes. Huge name in the movie music business. He scored Magnificent Seven, Ten mm-hmm. Commandments, The Great Escape, To Kill a Mockingbird, Ghostbusters. Yep. Black Cauldron. <laughs> Hey-o. <laughs> uh, he, he did Airplane, which is a great score as well. It is. So kind of fun fact there. Go back to what we were talking about. I've never seen this movie. I'd certainly heard of it amongst the list of things, maybe seen a few clips, but had never seen it. Okay, Black Cauldron. Mr. Lair, you were you were dying to see this movie. Oh, What'd yeah. you think? <laughs> oh, man, it did not disappoint. <laughs> I loved this movie, but not for all the reasons that one might think I would love it. Okay. It's not going to make it into my top five ever or top ten. <laughs> uh, maybe top ten, but it's just so weird. It's so dark and it's so bizarre. Feels nothing like Disney. No. Oh, man. It's got that distinct 80s fantasy. I don't know, man. I just, it was everything I hoped it was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> All right, David, initial thoughts? I didn't really know what to think because, it, yeah, it didn't really feel like a Disney movie. <laughs> I mean, we talked about The Fox and the Hound being like a darker movie just because how sad and everything the fox is treated, how badly he's treated. But this movie, the only like happy scene is like the first four minutes when they're at the little hut out in the woods with his is that his dad or his caretaker i don't really know Um, i don't remember uncle owen yeah (laughs) gandalf (laughs) gandalf Gandalf. it does have that little like that fantasy vibe you kind of like even the intro Mm -hmm, reminded me like oh this is like the open to to the fellowship of the ring like that the background of the lore of the universe Mm -hmm. which is different but i was just saying that yeah, the beginning of the movie is like happy, sunny, but the the next two hours and or one hour and ten minutes of it is all just dark, evil spirits, witches, zombies, death. <laughs> Man. It's crazy. <laughs> that animation did not feel like Disney. It felt like, do you guys know the movie The Swan Princess? No, but sure. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> I had a younger sister. I have a younger sister. And... <laughs> Uh, you know, I would often get roped into watching movies that she would pick. And that was a movie that she picked from time to time. And uh, it felt a lot like that. It felt like a lot like that animation style or maybe like Ralph Bakshi's Lord of the Rings. Yes, I was thinking of that. Yeah. Also thinking of some of the Don Bluth stuff. Like, yeah. Like Rockadoodle we've talked about, those sort uh, of movies. Mm-hmm. Which Don Bluth came from Disney, but I think he left before before this movie was a thing. He was part of the development team. He was trying to get it made. Like, he was on board for the project. Oh, interesting. And I don't know why, but he got pulled off of it. Maybe that was when he left Disney. Yeah, I think we talked last week about him bailing around Fox and the Hound time. He was very interested in this project, though. It feels like his kind of deal. It does. Yeah, I just I, w- I wanted to read the, oh, the opening of this movie. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> to just establish to everyone how not Disney this feels. Oh, so and uh, maybe good. I'll mix in the actual narrator because he's got a better voice than I do. But legend has it in the mystic land of Prydain, there was once a king so cruel and so evil that even the gods feared him. Since no prison could hold him, he was thrown alive into a crucible of molting iron. There, there, his demonic spirit was captured the in the form of a great, great black cauldron. 
For uncounted centuries, the black cauldron lay hidden, waiting, while evil men searched for it, knowing whoever possessed it would have the power to resurrect an army of deathless warriors, and with them, rule the world. Rule the world. <laughs> Sounds... <laughs> What? Sounds real Disney, doesn't it? <laughs> What's not to love here, man? <laughs> uh, just from this, I was like, what the heck is this? <laughs> so freaking weird. I love it. And then, like I said, no opening credits. They just dive you right into Deathless Warriors. Yes, they do. And then, and we just mentioned it, but the first 10 minutes felt straight up Lord of the Rings to me. Oh, yeah. Even from the, like, keep it secret, keep the pig secret, keep him safe. Yeah. <laughs> this is no ordinary pig. It's like, the heck? You must leave here at once. Take Henwen to the hidden cottage at the edge of the forbidden forest. Hide there and never bring her out until I come for you. That was exactly the same imagery as Gandalf show telling Frodo about the ring in Bag End. Mm -hmm. Oh, it sounded like it and it, and it, and it, uh, and it looked just like it. Hey, by the way, in the pig's vision there, when it shows that that first image in the the water, that is recycled animation from Fantasia, Night on Bald Mountain. Uh, interesting. Mm -hmm. What? Well, and that him looking into the water like that was very like Galadriel Frodo-ish. <laughs> oh and my gosh. Or, and or what when when Billy Boyd when Pippin has that 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 the Palantir? That, yes, that. <laughs> yeah. Now, I will say, obviously, the Lord of the Rings movies came out way after this. But yeah, so they clearly copied this movie for everything. Yeah, they, maybe Peter yeah. Jackson is a massive is a massive Black Cauldron fan. I don't know. Legend says that, uh, I don't know how you say his name. He's like one of the founders of Nintendo, Shigeru Miyamoto. Yeah. He created the Legend of Zelda. And allegedly, this is kind of urban legendy, but allegedly, he was inspired to make legend of zelda after seeing this movie huh huh word on the street are either of you familiar with he-man oh yeah the cartoon kind of skeletor looks very similar to the the king the what, what they call him the king with horns the horned king horned king yeah <laughs> yeah a far less threatening version of the horned king <laughs> which that was straight up sauron evil dark lord uh pa what's sauron's palace or thank yeah, it Andor. Was. Yeah, <laughs> Mordor. Mordor. Yeah, slash. I, I was trying to think of the name of the palace. Yeah, or how thing. close? How close or, did this guy live to this evil kingdom? He's like hardly on his little journey. Then the dragons attack, and suddenly, boom, he's in Mordor. And there's no dragons in Lord of the Rings, but the, there are eagles. Uh, yeah, wait, no, 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 yeah, there's the Nazgul, the Nazgul, ring race, the fell, yeah. the fell yeah, yeah, beasts, yeah. Yeah. and smog, the dragon. The <laughs> oh yeah there's that guy <laughs> oh duh <laughs> it's been a while <laughs> well and then as we mentioned earlier the, the, once what's our what's our main character's name what's his i forget his name I Taran. Don't know. Oh, Taran? Luke? Taran? Taran? luke skywalker link so he goes link? off to, to he goes off to save his pig henwin henwin well, i thought they said hedwig at first which was like, i did oh, too Harry Potter. <laughs> i was like whoa was jk rowling making a reference and as soon as he's like out in the woods, they come across this creature named Gurgi, who, as we mentioned before, is like a dog sloth combination. Dog sloth golem. Yeah, and combination. Sounded, sounded exactly like Andy Serkis's golem. Ooh, great prince. 
Jake Paul starting Googie munchings and crunchings. Nice apple. Jordan was really annoying. <laughs> <laughs> I was sick of him. Give me your apple, master. <laughs> crunchings and munchings. <laughs> And I haven't had time to research if Andy Serkis is also a Black Cauldron fan. He's gotta be. But, who who wouldn't be? But it's amazing how sim how similar these things are. Yes, indeed. And it just it carried on throughout. Yeah. Come on, the apple. Where is it? Uh-uh. Google not know where the apple. Uh one thing from early on in the movie when the pig gets picked up by the dragons. Taryn, he had blood running down his face yes. after getting stomped on the ground by the dragons. I was like, whoa, there's blood in the Disney movie too? I know. I wrote that down. I was like, the stakes have been raised. <laughs> I wonder if that was the, the first drop of blood in a Disney movie. That's a good question. Did they really think kids were going to enjoy this film? Honestly. That's a, that's a great question. <laughs> there was a time in development when Ollie Johnson and Frank Thomas were working on it, who were two of the nine old men that were still working at Disney when this began development so that they thought if, if, if this was done properly, it could be as good as Snow White was the quote. Oh my. But because of just the complexity of these books and the, apparently there were like 30 plus characters in the original series. It's, it sounds very Lord of the Rings ish. Yep. It just became complicated and they just, just, they just had to get something done. Just had, had to bury this project. <laughs> What else you guys got? They just did not hold back. Everything was scary and creepy and spooky. This is a, a surprisingly good film to watch in October. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad it's June. <laughs> what a bummer. Speaking of, of scary, the 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 horn the horny king had <laughs> kind of a theme song. Which reminded me a ton of, is that the Kylo Ren theme song? I didn't, I didn't notice. Yes, yes. Very similar. Wow. Very similar. Elmer Bernstein came first, so we he we can't did. Keep, we we saw this movie second, but... <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, there's apparently much in pop culture inspired by Black Cauldron. Oh man, so prolific. Let's go to the ending real quick. At the very end, I was confused by this, maybe because I was just tired and whatever. So they walk away into the sunset, but then it cuts to the the magic Palantir bowl thing. Okay, this part. So yes. was it like all a dream? I or is Gandalf and and were they the one the one ring of the pig? I, I, <laughs> Are they like <laughs> just looking back on what happened? Are they in cahoots? Like were those three all working together? The pig, the guy, and the little fairy, the little grumpy fairy. Okay, I no. I'll I'll translate the ending for you guys. Please, you. please do. <laughs> so they're just showing that, that the pig can see things. Like he's a prophesying pig, but right. So he can see in the future, but obviously he can see in the present as well. He's just seeing them walking off into the sunset happily ever after from the hobbit hole with Gandalf. <laughs> How did he get back to the hobbit hole with Gandalf? They let him go when 
Remember the fairies when they're underground? The fairies said they'd bring the pig back to safety. So oh, yes. the fairies brought the fairies brought the pig back to Gandalf, okay. and then Gandalf and the pig were watching what was happening through the Palantir. <laughs> <laughs> but since when is Gandalf in cahoots with Grumpy Fairy? Well, the fairies brought the pig back to him, so now they're, they're like friends. they're like the little moth butterfly thing. But they seem like. Uh, Oh yeah, you're right. <laughs> I don't know. They just seemed like they had a history. They're like, oh, David's, David's they miming, miming the scene from the top of uh, of uh, what's the name or, of that place? Or think, or think. <laughs> then what's the name of what's the name of Sauron's place? Casa Doom. No, 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 no. That's no, the no, 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 no. That is that's, now you've messed me up. No, Casa Doom's inside Doria. It's Baradur. Is Saruman's tower. Yeah, Sauron's is Baradur. Baradur. And Casa Doom is down in Moria. Yes. Okay. There you go. You're back and on track. And it's the best music cue. Well, ooh, ooh, ooh. one of the best music cues in, in Fellowship of the Ring. Oh, yeah. So good. I was going to say it's the best, but the best is the breaking of the Fellowship from the oh, man. Fellowship of the Ring. Bridge of Casa Doom is just below that. I think we need to make a Lord of the Rings edit of this movie. <laughs> By the way, does it make me a terrible person if at the end when the three witches show back up and they're like, yo, we'll trade you for the cauldron. You want your sword back? I think I would have just taken the sword. <laughs> Rather than bring back Gurgi. Gurgi's a good a good loyal friend, even Is if he's he? annoying. Alright, well, guess... he ran he ran away at the first sign of danger. <laughs> <laughs> but he saves the day in the end. He's in like, the end. He's like Jar Jar Binks. Oh he is like Jar Jar Binks, Mike. You're right. <laughs> Though I don't know if Jar Jar really saved the day. The Gungans kind of help. Yeah. But then you Jar Jar But then Jar Jar ends up giving special executive power to chancellor palpatine and it all goes downhill from there so so. a lot of it's his fault yeah it is i don't know that sword was magic (laughs) gurgi's just wanting to eat your grubs i'm alive (laughs) gurgi's alive look 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 touch me (laughs) you clever little thing (laughs) well should we wrap this up (laughs) i i guess It was a great episode of Tangents, which uh, which I don't mind one bit. So, oh, Chris, Chris and David, we need a rating system for the Black Cauldron. What do you got? How about ten? Uh, what are they called? Cauldron born. Ten Cauldron born the skeletons. Ten Cauldron born skeletons. Yeah, David, does that sound good to you? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> He's like, I just want to be done with this. <laughs> no, I was just thinking of horny frogs no. or something i don't know <laughs> all right chris uh, out of out of 10 uh cauldron born skeletons what do you give the black a cauldron oh man mike 10 out of 10 no way <laughs> no i'm kidding uh i would probably actually give it it's tough i would probably give it eight eight that's cauldron, so high. eight cauldron born <laughs> skeletons like i said this really played into my niche you know, I love fantasy films. I love yeah. that that 1980s feel. You know, it's just, it's such a conundrum of a project. It's so weird and so bizarre and so dark. 
I would not recommend it to children. It's like it's definitely PG thirteen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they didn't have the PG thirteen rating back then. I no, it was PG. Shockingly enough, I well, uh, whatever they cut out, it might have been PG thirteen. It might have, you know, before they trimmed whatever scariness before, out of it. Yeah, before Katzenberg the, went nuts on it. <laughs> the holograms in the theater. <laughs> yeah. I, it's I really loved it. It is not for everybody, but if you like this kind of kitschy content, then you're going to love it. All right, David, out of 10 cauldron-born skeletons. Um, I mean, entertainment-wise, it entertained me for sure. Um, I think I would probably give it yes. like a s- <gasps> 6.8 out of 10. <laughs> At least a 7. Come on. No, not a 7. A 7 is a 70. That is, That means I would watch it again. Oh! <gasps> Below no. seven means I might not, might not watch it for like 20 years, you know. <laughs> <laughs> this is a movie I'd love to watch in a group, you know. I feel sure. Like it'd be better. I mean, we didn't even mention really the relationship between Taryn and his girlfriend. No, I yeah. thought that, that was, that was a, it was an endearing relationship, how they kind of like fought at first and then they both kind of made up and forgave each other and started being nice and everything like mm-hmm. their relationship actually had some substance to it like they escaped a scary situation together they fought and made up and then they i don't know sure they didn't make it too like lovey-dovey but you know it was endearing so i liked that part and everything else we talked about was pretty entertaining just how different it was and how surprisingly scary um i also do like fantasy stories in general so i like the the lord of the Rings similarities and yes zelda and everything like that love um, it but i mean it's not a perfect movie so and i won't watch it for 20 years so that's why i get to 6.8 <laughs> huh i might watch this again in a couple days <laughs> <laughs> oh you know what we didn't even mention the skeleton what's his name horned king the horny king we didn't even mention his disturbing demise when he got sucked into the cauldron at the end yeah oh, oh you just you reminded me of something else i wanted to mention about him another thing that i feel like a huge movie franchise stole from this movie literally his voice is similar to like darth vader yeah. and he at first chokes the little goblin guy yeah he picks him up and chokes him like at the beginning of Star Wars yeah. on the rebel ship. And then he force chokes him when he's in his throne room, like without touching him. No, basically. he's predict. No, he's not force choking him. He, the, the guy, the little thing was like, I don't want you to choke me. So I'm going to choke myself. What? I right? think Mike is right, but yeah. Oh, oh, sire. Allow me. Oh. Yeah. Cause. Oh, that's disturbing. That he, guy, that. He was choking that, himself so he didn't have to endure the wrath of 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 the horny king. Man, so abused. It was you're you're still right. Toxic relationship. You are part of the rebel alliance and a traitor. No, that's Leia. What does he say to the guy he's holding up? Uh, uh come on, you got this memorized. We have accepted no transmissions. <laughs> this is a consular ship. We're on a diplomatic mission. <laughs> <laughs> if this is a consular ship, where are the ambassadors? Yeah, something like that. Mike, do you actually have every line from that movie memorized? I, I'm, it's pretty close. This is also a bunny trail, but every time we talk about Star Wars, 
specifically A New Hope, no matter where we jump in, you start verbatim quoting the film. (laughs) (laughs) And then he throws him down. He goes, Commander, tear the ship apart until you found those plans and bring me the passengers. I want them alive. See? What, are you reading the script? No, I'm not. (laughs) Did you like my impression, though? We've accepted no transmissions. I really was impressed. I was like, whoa, he's getting into the part. I love it. We intercepted no transmissions. This is a consular ship. We're on a diplomatic mission. If this is a consular ship, where is the ambassador? How about you, Mike? My rating of the Black Cauldron. I'm giving this five cauldron born skeletons. That is ridiculous. It just did not feel like a Disney movie to me at all. Well, no, it didn't. And so, and nor did I like particularly enjoy it that much. So (gasps) if it was super enjoyable while not feeling like a Disney movie, then I guess I wouldn't really care. But did it not entertain you? Ah, I don't know. I mean, it was, it was, it was fine. I choose to watch this movie over three caballeros any day. Oh, Oh, me too. David. You suck. High five, man. <laughs> <laughs> there, there can be there can be some stinkers in here. What in the movie or in the list? In the list. With that, we'll we'll close this out. Chris, as always, thank you so much for joining us. You're you're our, our our most frequent and most beloved guest. Oh, <laughs> thanks again for having me, guys. I love it. David, always a pleasure. Thank you for having me, Mike Master. <laughs> that was a good one. Dang, David, that was good. <laughs> yeah, I'm known for my Gollum impression. Yeah, so that, that was a sounded, very easy. That sounded much more gurgy than Gollum, so you nailed it. Yeah, perfect inflection. And remember to check us out all over the internet at Disney One X One, and please write us a review on iTunes, and we'll read it here on the show. So with that. Next week, we have The Great Mouse Detective. I haven't seen this one either, so we'll see how it goes. What? Oh, you're in for a treat. <laughs> it's another great one. All right. Oh. So we'll see you. Goodbye. Bye. Adios. Thanks for listening to the Disney One by One podcast. If you have any questions or suggestions, send us an email to Disney1x1 at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Disney1x1 and at Disney1x1.com. We'll be back next week with another exciting episode of the Disney One by One podcast. That was awesome. Mike, I'm really disappointed with your rating. <laughs> I have to be negative about something on this show. I feel That's like I'm true. I feel like I'm I'm so overly positive, so